Hello and welcome to the Foreign Influence Podcast. I'm Bill. And I'm Nikolai. And actually, today is a special edition of the Foreign Influence Podcast. We have with us Taymor Nabili. He is a veteran journalist, uh, BBC, Al Jazeera, uh, a media consultant, covered uh, many of the major stories of the last 20 years. Thank you very much for joining us here in the studio. And I'm foreign, but not influential. Well, <laughs> we like that. How foreign? You, you introduced it. What do you, what do you mean? Uh, well, Tell I'm us for, about I'm yourself. I'm almost everything, actually. I mean, I'm a I'm, I'm mixed-race, third-culture kid, born in Iran, brought up in the UK, uh, lived in Asia for most of my life, um, but certainly most of my, all of, almost all of my working life. So I'm, I'm foreign to almost every culture and country that I've been in, and I've, I've lived in six different countries uh, and worked as, as an outsider, which is actually, in many ways, is a really nice place to be, uh, being an outsider. People hold you less responsible for being an idiot. <laughs> That's why we moved to Asia. Yeah, yes. I mean, people, people tend to be more forgiving if if you're a foreigner. Sometimes, actually, in some sometimes they're actually more more uh, condemning. But uh, in 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 general, in general senses, people will, will forgive you your cultural indiscretions if if you if you can claim ignorance. Right, right. So you use you <laughs> which use, is not a good approach, but somehow <laughs> sometimes it helps. You use the claim of ignorance a lot, do you? I do, I do. And oh it's, boy, this uh, is going to go well. Yeah. <laughs> That's why we like him. <laughs> yeah. He understands us, Bill. Yes. That's good. We can relate. So we can there, relate. Is there any place that you would consider home today? Uh, Singapore, as much as anything. My wife is Singaporean. My son uh, goes to school here. So, yeah, I certainly, I certainly have very little connection these days to the UK, where my mother's from and where I, mm. where I did my schooling. Um, and Iran, which I left when I was 11 years old. So, you know, that was a long, long time ago. Yeah, that's a while ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 I've been traveling for a long time, so I get the idea that you're, you know, that you don't really belong anywhere anymore, and it's just sort of an outcast wherever you go. Yeah. But which is it's a great advantage, I guess, for what you do, your line of work. Yeah. Well, you, you know, in, a, in an industry, in a business where um, so much emphasis is put upon the idea of non-alignment, the idea mm. of neutrality, then not having a dog in the fight is, is obviously kind of sets you, I, I think, a little bit, if not entirely, uh, in the right path. Yeah, yeah. It is a valuable trait for a journalist. And I think people who have that perspective tend to gravitate toward journalism, actually. They kind of like that outside thing. Because if they were joiners, right, they would tend to go into these institutions that they cover. But they don't, right? They stand on the outside and oh, interesting. we throw tomatoes. Interesting. <laughs> Yeah. I think I went into journalism because of ADD. I mean, you know, it's a, oh. it's, this, this is the one. This is the one business that I know of that you can do a different thing every day and not get bored. You know, it's kind of <laughs> absolutely right, yeah, right, right. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Uh, all right. Well, shall we dive into what we're talking about this week? Uh, Let's go. We're uh, recording on. Uh, should probably timestamp it. Uh, Friday the fourth here in Singapore time. Of course, things can always change, but uh, as time. of right now, hmm? not time, Bill. It won't change. It, no, this no, is it. This is it. History is over. Oh, damn it! We have arrived. <laughs> anyway, so <laughs> the in the U.S., so in the U.S., where I'm from, uh, everyone probably has heard that the impeachment scandal is boiling, boiling, boiling. But uh, President Trump came out with a great statement today, asking China to interfere in our elections to research his opponents if he could. Of course, Ukraine. He had already done that. He's asked yeah, other yeah. countries. So apparently. Now, according to our president, it is open season, if you are a foreign government, to investigate p 
political politicians to benefit our president. It's only if you're a government, right? Not if you're an individual. I'm not allowed to snoop around and. That's a good point. Hack websites. Well, no, no, this is only databases. For, if you if you drop uh, if you drop the president a, a tweet, he might actually sort of authorize oh. you on an individual level. Oh, nice. Yeah, I'll ask. Yeah, you could be I'll deputized. Reach I'll reach out. That's a, that's about a. As, as organized as the man is, isn't it? I mean, it's kind of, you yeah. know, he, he can make decisions like that on a whim. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, he, you know, that's what, that's what makes him special. What I, what I find interesting about the whole process right now is, is not that he's inviting foreigners to, to interfere, because he did that before, remember, during the election. He yes. asked the Russians to investigate mm -hmm. Hillary's emails. But uh, the most interesting thing about what's happening now is the way he's melting down. And he uh, is, isn't he? He's melting down. He went on a Twitter tirade yesterday or the day before, talking just language that really didn't make any sense and, and just shouting at people. And you watch his reactions to various events well, to and you think, one this, of is, them, this, is a, this is a man under serious pressure. Right. And, and he's, he really appears to be buckling. Of course, you still have his defenders who say he's actually playing three-dimensional chess. I think you're being very generous. Like, like this implies that he was coherent before. <laughs> I don't know. Well, even in a tweet, he even said bullshit, right? He said all of this is bullshit. And I, I couldn't believe it when I saw that tweet. I mean, the more In capital letters, no less. I in mean, capital letters. Yeah. So he meant it. Oh. <laughs> was it in bold and red and was it flashing? Did it spin? No, but if they uh, had that technology on Twitter, he'd, be, he'd mm. be all over that. But it, it's open season on our elections, right? Which yeah. is, which is really just something else that uh, now the entire Republican Party apparently needs to rally around the fact that foreign governments have a huge and just incentive to start investigating opponents of whoever their preferred candidate is, right? Doesn't have to be Trump. They could flip it to somebody else, mm. feed it into our political bloodstream, and it's legit. Now, one of our major parties is forced to say totally legit. But isn't this a real problem though, that nobody's listening to this guy anymore? To like, Trump? Neither Republicans nor Democrats. He just says this stuff, right? And then people go, <laughs> No, huh, I, huh, I think his supporters huh, listen. Huh? And I, no, man. I Do think, they? I think you underplay the influence. Yeah? Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is the key thing it's all gonna turn on though, isn't it? I mean, for the first two years of the presidency, it, it seemed, fairly apparent that the base to which you're referring mm -hmm. was was solid uh, and was substantial enough to mean that he would probably get reelected. I'm not sure if that dynamic holds true anymore. Hmm. I'm not sure whether that base, A, was ever particularly strong. I mean, he talks about this massive, overwhelming victory, but it was in the Electoral College and the popular vote, he was down 3 million or so, and he won in three states by a margin of like 80,000 votes combined, all three. I mean, I can't remember the, the actual numbers. No, that's, that's I mean, it, yeah. So we're in a stage now where the popular culture is beginning to recognize the madness. And it, it's only gonna take a, a minor erosion of that base that we're mentioning to change those, that, that dynamic entirely, isn't it? Yeah. Assuming there's a viable candidate to compete with him, right? Right, and that's not crystal clear. At this moment, but it's crazy early, though, right? Yeah, yeah. Twenty yeah. candidates yeah, yeah, yeah. out there. The election more than a full year away. Uh, you know, the the conventions not until August of next year. I mean, we are a long way away from knowing who his opponent would be, and it's not a slam dunk that it's Biden. It, it just isn't. <laughs> no, it isn't. 
Yeah. <laughs> he won't even make it, man. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> and now Come Bernie, on, he's trying Bernie real Sanders hard. has had a heart problem, so, I mean, yeah, he, so he he's out. out of that fight. He's out. Right. Um, Come on, he should be out. He should be out, man. Sanders? Yeah, come on. No, man. I know. I, I love Sanders, but come on. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I get it. And that's actually been a concern of mine for a long time. Yeah. I, I, I am a fan of his policy proposals, but for him, I don't get into the whole negative, you know, Democrats hate him, right? They really would never vote for him because they hate him because he's not a loyal Democrat. It yeah, the Democratic matter. Party hates him. Correct. Yeah. yeah. The party. And, yeah. 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 And... Self-identified Democrats, by extension, right, hate him because he was never a loyal Democrat. He never he caucused with them, but he was never a loyal Democrat. So they hate him. Oh, he was loyal to his his own ideas. I, I know. God, this is the worst. Which is what disgusts me. <laughs> <laughs> Integrity is something that doesn't belong in politics. It really does. Completely doesn't. agree. You know what? That's it. I'm I'm voting for Trump now, <laughs> and I'm the only one of us three who has a vote, and that's. <laughs> No, apparently we also get to play. So. <laughs> yeah, you have a vote, but we have influence. But, we, 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 uh, you know, I'm accepting, I'm accepting bribes. Because we get to change your vote, Bill. Apparently. Why it. should we bribe you? We'll just go to Facebook and put some ads in there, and then you, you know, yeah. you'll change your opinion. <sighs> Easy peasy. Yep, well, I'll get on Facebook right after this. Hey, let's talk about the other thing that Facebook had a good time with, Brexit. So that uh, keeps going on and on. Uh, Boris Johnson was apparently uh, over at the EU and touring Europe trying to get a deal, but it didn't work. Well, you started by saying we should put a timestamp on it. And, and actually, what's going to happen is everything that we've talked about by within 48 hours from now is going to be different, right? I mean, the Trump story will have moved on, and certainly the EU story will have moved on. Yeah. Because, you know, Boris is really now in a place where he... Uh, it looks like he's not going to get what he wants, which is a hard exit at the end of October. Um, I don't know. I mean, it's the, the machinations of the UK system and any political system, if you like, and, and Boris's ability to, to generate support and, and sway Parliament behind him. We can't underestimate at this point. He hasn't succeeded so far. He's lost every single vote he's put up. But uh, the, the way it's looking now, this thing is going to run and run. The Brexit thing is going to run, run, but Boris may not be part of it any longer because he's he's you know he's thrown his he's thrown his best shots. Yeah, and within the next couple of weeks, um, we'll know whether he's managed to to sway Parliament. And if he hasn't, then chances are he's got to go. Whatever happened to they're calling elections? Well, they they're going to call an election, but the they, rest they the, the rest of the MPs are saying, hang on, this Boris only wants an election because it will deliver his result. Yeah, on Brexit. If you call an election now, then the Brexit procedure must go through according to the existing guidelines, right? Hmm. And the rest of the parties are going, no, no, we've got to kill this hard Brexit thing before an election. We're not going to let you distract the whole country with an election until we've worked out this Brexit process. Okay. So that's the point. Everyone else is opposing the election. As soon as October 31st has come and gone, then there'll be an election. Wow, that, and, that fast. And Yeah, and at, at this point, well, depending on, depending on how that key issue works out. If we get to October 30th, actually in either way we'll have an election. But the point, the, the rest of Parliament wants to get to October 31st, a hard Brexit is off the table. So we get an extension from the European Union. The Brexit conversation continues, but then we go back to the country and talk about what we're gonna do next through an election process. Hmm. <laughs> it's, it's kind of silly. Wow, yeah. It's, it's, all, it's, all, it's all messing around and, and machinations. Uh, and mm. But he's having no luck. 
with as of like today, he's having no luck getting through what he wants to get through with the EU. They're just telling him screw off. Of course, they're telling him to screw off. Guy, yeah, guy. They they wouldn't deal. Not not at this point. Not under these circumstances. They. Well, God, maybe they will. I don't know. You think? I don't think so. I mean, so far, no. I don't there's, think there's they no, should. There's nothing, there's nothing to deal with. The problem is... That yeah, there's nothing to deal with. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah you know, his, this proposal that he's put up, they've already said, this is not a proposal. Isn't it? Just, it just isn't going to work. Yeah, yeah. You, gotta, you, can't, you can't sign off on a deal that isn't going to work. Right, right. <laughs> That's worse than no... Is that worse than no deal at all? Well, no uh, deal is also a deal that isn't going to work. I yeah. Mean, it's just, it's madness. I mean, it's, the, the whole situation yeah. is, is so massively complex. And, and, of course, it all comes back to the main problem. David Cameron, the former prime minister, yes. well, two prime ministers ago now, mm. um, has issued his memoir in which he tries to, you know, wash his hands of the whole process. He wending it now. So give us the backstory. So he, he called a referendum. He called the referendum. He did. Uh, in an effort to do what? <laughs> What, what was he trying to do by even let's, setting this process in motion? <laughs> How long have you guys got? Let's, re, <laughs> let's rewind. Well, there's a list of stuff, but we don't have to get to it. <laughs> I, but, but, I mean, the problem is that it's, it's so complex that I, I, don't, I don't want to present myself an expert in this stuff. But I'll, I'll, I'll just say one or two things. Thatcher. Plead ignorance when you're done. Thatcher. Um, Thatcher. Whoa, okay. I mean, Thatcher's, Thatcher's um, end of Thatcher's premiership was also because of Brexit in a way, huh. because the problem has always been within the Conservative Party. The uh. Conservative Party has got one wing that is so extreme uh, in its beliefs. They're so insular about their Britishness that they hate anything about Europe. And ever since Thatcher, ever, there was Thatcher, there was Major. I mean, every Tory prime minister mm. has had to fight this wing of the party because they've always wanted out of Europe. And they've never been able to quell that rebellion within their own party. Cameron thought that giving them an, uh, um, a referendum and the country saying, no, we like Europe, which is what he truly believed, would shut the rest of the party out. Uh, end the discussion. It was a, it was a massive failure mm. of, uh, of judgment, <laughs> a massive failure yeah. of process. Anyway, so here we are. Or a massive success for Cambridge Analytica. Depends on how you look at it. <laughs> yes. Well, yeah, they made their money, right? But Somebody now they're made blown a lot up. of money. Yeah. That's the firm that uh, that hacked Facebook, essentially, in favor of Brexit. And it made the Brexit uh, about immigration. That's 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 yeah. kind on Facebook. Facebook yeah. was part of the whole process. Yeah, right? of course. Yeah, they, yeah, they were yeah. complicit. Yeah, yeah. They were complicit. Yeah. They're washing their hands from it, like often now, saying, oh, we're, right, just, right, a, right. we're just a platform. Yeah. You know, they always run to that. Right, uh, you know these these big social media platforms. Yeah. They have become We're publishers. Not, yeah, become they are publishers, and they have to take more and more of these publisher responsibilities. But they always run back to no, 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 no. We're just platforms. Listen, it's simple, right? As soon as you censor anything, you you become a publisher. Yes. Yeah. Right. So you don't want killings and people mutilating themselves on Facebook. So you delete those. Interesting documentary out on that, by the way. People who go into uh, teams that do that kind of work manually, which is apparently very emotionally oh, scarred. Oh, yeah. Right. Um, as soon as you There censor. are human beings who watch all this stuff, that process yeah. all this stuff, and yeah. have to make decisions about it. So that's a really interesting framing, though, because most, mostly 
your average citizen would say, well, if you're printing stuff, you're a publisher. But actually, your, your definition is actually a really more interesting one. Because anybody can print stuff. You just stick it on the internet or whatever. Right. It's when you begin yeah. to exercise judgment about what can exactly. and cannot be printed that you're really taking on that. Yeah, I, I like that too. It's the negative space. Mm. It's, it's the moment you say no to something. Yeah, right? which that, is always going to happen before saying yes. Yeah, I think because you have to draw lines somewhere. Mm. But there was a, there was this whole thing in the past few days where Elizabeth Warren, I think it was, made um, comment about whether the question of whether Facebook should be broken up. Oh yeah, that, that's kind of become a bit of an issue. And then Zuckerberg said yesterday that he's going to go to the mat. And you're thinking, oh, hello. Oh, it was, kind of, it, well, it was we're all very impressed. Because <laughs> <laughs> he's a big guy, right? <laughs> yes, right. He, he, look, he looks oh, like a I'm tough quaking guy. in my boots. Yeah. <laughs> well, I think it was a leaked tape. Actually, that's I right. Think, that's I think right, that yeah. was a leaked tape yeah. where he basically said, we're going to go nuclear on this if she comes after him. And of and course, then she got to milk that and say, too bad. Yeah. Because he, he, he may not be the most... Uh, physically imposing fellow but facebook i mean you know yeah. if facebook goes nuclear how much damage could that do? right right and his money scares me <laughs> but if he wants to sponsor us we're totally down with yeah that. yeah we're totally with you yeah uh, Mark, come, come. <laughs> this podcast is sponsored by facebook yeah. oh nice we already did it <laughs> wow, nice. so we paid it forward so if they could just pay us back <laughs> reach out mark yeah yeah hey coming back to our side of the world we're over here in sunny singapore hey so for the first time since we started the show up, we can actually say it's sunny Singapore. Like the haze is yep. like gone, gone, which we, is really nice. We can breathe again. We that's can see it's been the sky. A bit, right? We can so see the sun. Time. The rain has mm. come. Yeah. So the rainy season has arrived and totally blue sky now. It, uh, so we're, we're enjoying that. I can see it between the rain clouds. <laughs> <laughs> but back on uh, this side of the world, of course, Hong Kong, um, the, the protests uh, that have morphed from a protest over a specific law to a general kind of freedom, anti-government, anti-People's Republic of China protest mm. uh, went from bad to worse, where uh, some protesters uh, were attacking a, a police officer and a, another police officer pulled his gun and shot someone point blank in the chest. Mm. Uh, that protester has not died yet. I think it was an 18-year-old, 18-year-old? 16, I think. 16, 16-year-old 16 yeah. kid. Um, and I think, like we've said a couple of other times on the podcast here, it's just not, it's just not easy to see how this ends well. Uh, I think maybe it's gone too far. Um, and I, I, my heart breaks for the freedoms of Hong Kong, uh, but boy, the crackdown sure seems to be brewing and brewing hard in Hong Kong. All right, I'm gonna I'm gonna take that as a as a as an invitation to go contrarian. Nice. Yeah. I moved I moved to Hong Kong in 1990, mm -hmm. um, and so Tiananmen Square was very fresh in the minds of the Hong Kong people, um, and the idea that it was us against Beijing has been rooted in Hong Kong for reasons that are not entirely clear. Hmm. So, you know, we can, we can go back and we can discuss the whole Tiananmen incident um, and how it was portrayed and how it was presented. But it, the Wenwei Bo paper in Hong Kong was, was kind of at the heart of the whole conversation because they reported um, stridently anti-Beijing messages at the time 
talking about how the, the Chinese, the PLA, had moved into Tiananmen Square with machine guns and were mowing down people on the podium by, the, by that Statue of Liberty they built up there. And all that was, was wrong. All that was, was pure propaganda. And, the, and the, 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 the positioning in the Hong Kong mind of what Beijing intended for Hong Kong was, was set before the handover even happened. So then we had the 90s where um, we had to go through the whole process of working out the one country, two systems agreement and all this kind of stuff. And Chris Patton coming in as, as the governor of Hong Kong uh, and talking about how Hong Kong deserved democracy and deserved its freedom. And, you know, everyone at the time was sitting there going, yeah, nice words, Chris, but, um, you know, you've had 150 years to make this happen and, and you've done nothing. And all of a sudden we, we need, you know, full suffrage for the Hong Kong population. How does that work? Yeah, they weren't exactly free as a colony. Yeah. So, hey, you know, sorry. I know you Dutch like your colonies. <laughs> so, I mean, I just put this in there as a bit of historical context. Um, and, and, and the other bit of historical context is, is how riots happen or protests happen, depending mm -hmm. on which side of the fence you want to sit on. You know, and we, we in, in the Western world, in the English language media, we're all, yes, democracy is great. We should support the protesters. And of course, the Chinese are like, these guys are going out into the streets and shutting down Hong Kong Airport, which is the single biggest transshipment cargo hub, air cargo hub in the world. And you've got to think, well, if they'd done that in London, mm. I wonder if the police would be any more tolerant. Mm -hmm. And I suspect the answer would have been no. In fact, they would have oh, been much harsher. Surely not. I mean, look at what's happened. So I spent a decade in Paris, France. Look at what happened with recent protests in France, right? In Paris. I mean, there was so much police brutality. People lost eyes. People lost limbs. And the, in and the interesting thing yeah. is how little coverage the French protests have received. Mm. In the English papers, at least. I, I tend to focus on the UK media. Hardly any mention yeah. in relative terms of what's happening in Paris. Because it's being so, suppressed. Yeah. yeah, so the protesters in Paris are like, yeah, the, those are just troublemakers. We don't mind if the police crack down on them. But the protesters in Hong Kong, we've got to champion their rights. So, you know, all, all these issues are kind of interesting in the way they present. And yeah. it, was, it was always inevitable that we would get to this point where a protester got injured or shot or God mm. forbid, killed in that context, because that's effectively in, I'm, I'm not going to, I mean, I'm, I'm not going to, I don't want to sort of sit here and proscribe, but in every protest situation, whether it was the Arab Spring, I covered the whole Arab Spring through its inception, the way the, the media is, is presented, the way the facts are presented, and, and in many cases manipulated, and the way those trigger points occur is a fascinating thing to watch and who makes those happen is the question that always crops up in my mind and, mm -hmm. and this this young man who got shot obviously didn't deserve to get shot but the circumstance of the policeman who felt that he had to shoot him is something that no one's talking about or at least not very many some of the chinese um, western chinese coverage is sort of asking that question and you've got to think you know, we saw it in Ukraine, people standing in the streets with banners in English saying, U.S., come and save us, waving flags around. You think, mm. in Hong Kong, who thought it was a wise idea for the Hong Kong population to sit there and say, we want the U.S. to interfere in Chinese politics? That, that, I mean, politically, that's bad optics, whichever way you look at it. Yeah. And you've got to wonder what the purpose of that was. Now, and I actually, I don't disagree with a couple of your points at all. I mean, if you watch the video of that incident, they are 
using steel bars and a hammer yep. <laughs> yeah, yeah. on the police officer that's on the ground, mm-hmm. right? And they're destroying I public mean, property. Come and on. And that will kill you, right? Th- so That is deadly force. You do have a gun. You can, I mean, makes sense, right? You know, deserve to be shot, right? Does anyone deserve to be shot? But man, if you, you're clearly doing things that are going to kill that guy, people are going to respond. Right? Well, it's going to, yeah. I guess yeah. what I'm reacting more to is just the spiral of violence, and we now have a spiral of violence, and inevitably that the stronger force wins, right? And, yeah, the stronger and, and, force wins, and that's the PRC. That is not the yeah. Hong Kong protesters. And so back to that question, why do the Hong Kong protesters or the people that are advising them think that it's wise to keep upping the pressure? Hmm. I mean, you, you get to the point where they're advising chasing... Advising them? You are impo- implying some foreign interference there, sir. Well, I, <laughs> I, I also have a hard time believing that these things He won't are, commit. Tamar won't, won't commit. commit. <laughs> are that organized, right? It's I, also very organic, bottom-up, right? If you see Im- Look, if you see images it, of... Do we of, know? If you see gangs beating up people like they, you know, what, what happened when, when they had the triads running yeah. through that metro station. They, 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 and they, the police stood they, by. They beat the baby out of a pregnant woman with iron bars, right? It's not very oh, cool. I miss that detail. Right? She lost the baby. She got beat up with, with iron bars. I saw the video. Horrible. Yeah, it is horrible. I think video. also on, a, on an organic level, like bottom up, people are going to go out with hammers in their pocket. Yeah. Right, so once you have once you see that, yeah. So once you have an armed mass of protesters, doesn't take much, man. Wow, I don't think it takes much. Come on, we need something to laugh about on this, right? (laughs) So depressing. Trump, let's get back to Trump. Trump, Trump's easier. There's (sighs) just jokes that are. Boris Johnson. Ready to go there. Yeah, Boris. Well, he did speak at the... We used up all the comedy material at the beginning. He did speak at the United Nations on the future of artificial intelligence. he did, yeah. That was funny. Warning us uh, of limbless chickens, uh, (laughs) pink-eyed terminators. Pink-eyed terminators And the difficulty of hiding our thoughts from Google. Yes. So there is that. That is a video. Fridges calling for cheese. Yes, but apparently on the bright side, (laughs) we will never run out of cheese. (laughs) So as a Dutchman, I did enjoy his (laughs) optimism. This video is worth going to watch. We'll post a link uh, to it. It is uh, something else. And, of course, the in the video I saw, they cut away to all of the people in the room just, like, yeah, looking just around, there, going, what? what the hell is going on here? Who is this guy? Who wrote that speech? Yeah. Who wrote that speech? Well, I think Google. It was a word salad generator. Oh, my God. <laughs> he's, he, actually, he's famous for that. I mean, he does that all the time. He Those goes, kinds he, of things. Yeah, he goes, he, and, and a lot of the time they're just boilerplate stuff. A lot of the time he goes in there and plays the buffoon, but it's yeah. all very scripted. Yeah, yeah. Um, purposeful. Yeah. Yeah, purposeful buffoonery. Yeah. Well, it got, of the people. got him this far, right? Out of the people stuff. Got him this far. Sheesh. Uh, coming back quickly to this side of the world, and a bit comedic to me at least, Chinese National Day. Uh, was this past week, and they had their big three-hour-long celebration of the 70th anniversary of the founding of the People's Republic of China. President Xi, he's uh, reviewed the whole thing, reviewed this huge military uh, lineup of, of equipment and soldiers, and it took an hour to do the whole thing. That was cute. I, I cute. Was, it was very cute. It was yeah. pleasant, fun. And I, and I was uh, fortunate enough to be sitting with two uh, Chinese nationals watching this. I just happened to be there. And um, I was asked the question, so what does the rest of the world think when they see these kinds of huge displays of military weaponry? Does it make them think we're strong? And I said, 
no, actually, we think you're weak. Like, what are you trying to get across? Because we don't do these things. Well, right? Trump, in Trump, the West, Trump wants to do this. I mean, he, he, he wants did that, to. Right? And that's why he wants he's to do not, that. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. That was his Come plan. on. Seriously? And this is what everyone pushed back. Even our own military pushed back and said, no, we don't do that kind of thing. Banana Republic dictators do this kind we of thing. We move into other countries. We bomb them. We take over. That's what we do. Yes, it's much more direct. <laughs> Look at our big guns. <laughs> why, we don't, we, why, waste, why waste your weapons parading them down the streets when you can just drop them yeah, on you other just countries? Deploy them. Yeah, just deploy them. Nobody, nobody makes millions off of not dropping them. That's a very yeah, good point. So you yeah, you, you got to drop gotta, them on something. Right. Right, guy, but we don't do this in the West. We we don't parade our military no. down the road. Why right? Am I missing something? That this doesn't happen in the UK. It doesn't happen well, in it, France. It, it, I mean, Netherlands. Honest. Both of your soldiers don't do anything, right? <laughs> no, they don't. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they're quite comfortable. They just go to the coffee house. They're busy. They're busy growing <laughs> on their bike. Yeah. <laughs> but interestingly, in of Singapore National Day. They, they is is becoming an an interesting spectacle. Okay, so we're gonna we're gonna mute this now because you mentioned the S word. <laughs> yes, it is quite respectable. I, I I saw some tanks this year. And yeah, there were yeah. tanks on the streets. Yeah, um, which surprised me. I, I I don't ordinarily pay much attention to it, so I'm not sure if it's a regular thing. But the it's a it's a it's becoming a major spectacle. It's not a military focused spectacle in the way that uh, you know that the Soviets used to do in the way North Korea choreographs. Uh, it choreographs its its National Day celebrations, but Singapore is is increasingly becoming a, a production. Put it that way. Yeah, yeah, mm. uh, with a mix of military and civilian in it. And I guess the Chinese one later on they got to the civilians, they got to the peasants and to the to the industrial workers and things like that. But it just struck me that yes, there are certain kinds of countries, one of which shall remain nameless uh, after I've bleeped out your word, uh, that uh, do this sort of thing and. Not the West. I don't know. Struck me as a. But the, the point that difference. you made, and I, I hate to sort of drag the conversation back down into the, the, oh, kind of the heavy, non funny area. But the point that you made was, you know, the reference to military spending and, and where the profits lie. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Right? And, and, and brings me onto one subject that I kind of am particularly interested in is, is the way that the US is selling arms to Saudi Arabia and the UK, the two biggest suppliers of arms to Saudi Arabia, which they have used to unload on Yemen for five years now. Yeah. Um, and Trump stood up and said, I can't, even, even though Congress voted against it, I mean, the whole of the Congress is, is now against this whole policy. And Trump said, no, I'm going to keep selling them arms because it's good business for yeah. us. Yeah, he was open about it. He yeah. said it's good money. Yeah. I heard it paying cash. Yeah. That's what he said, right? That we gave them for oil. Yeah, sounds yeah. good. Yeah. And and that sort of puts in this puts us in this ridiculous situation where um, the Saudi hatred of Iran and fear of Iran has put us in a situation where that Trump Saudi relationship is becoming really quite worrying. Well, we were headed toward war, and we, uh, I mean, and and given 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 his uh, his recent outbursts and his his general uh, questionable decision making. You know, Saudi and Israel as well are trying to goad Trump into going to war with Iran. Yes. And, and if he does, I mean, strangely and thankfully, he's been he's been backing off that. Um, and he came into the presidency saying he wanted to get less involved in, in wars in the Middle East. So he doesn't want to 
but but he's he's being he's facing an awful lot of pressure to start another one with Iran, and Iran is goading him back. I mean, you know, the, the attack on the Saudi oil refineries and stuff is is just them saying, you know what, we don't think you've got it. Do you believe it? Do you believe that was Iran? Uh, U.S. intelligence is saying that, but I don't know. I don't. I don't necessarily Given believe that the, the rockets drive, came from Iran. Uh huh. Mm. But uh, you know, there's there's you know the old question of qui bono, who benefits? I mean, it's it's you know Iran in, in multiple places. There's been little pokings and proddings and activities that are just designed to raise the tension a little bit. Uh, and I don't know, but I, I think it's not unreasonable to assume that. Uh, there's an Iranian hand at the, behind it, hmm. but this is just them copying the policy that the U.S. has always <laughs> right. come yeah, up. Yeah, yeah, right? sure. It's plausible deniability. Yeah, we didn't do it, which uh, they probably didn't. But of course, behind the scenes, they might have engineered its occurrence. Yeah, yeah. yeah. but why then is Trump. Why's everyone blaming us? But then Trump, light like, of freedom, just going. Yeah, we're just waiting for the word freedom of Saudi Arabia to oh. to say who to attack and when, and we'll just go. Oh, that was. Oh. Yeah, just as soon as as soon as they tweet <laughs> that one, as soon as they tweet who to attack, we'll that, start bombing them. That one, going way back to where we were talking about what Republicans will accept or not accept. If a Democrat had said that, which was a tweet that essentially said, "We're locked and loaded. We're ready to bomb anything in response to this bombing of this Saudi mm. oil refinery. We are ready to bomb and destroy anything. Just waiting for Saudi Arabia to tell us where." And when. And so he puts the military decision to go to war in the hands of Saudi Arabia. He invites foreign governments to interfere in your national elections. And yet nobody's yeah. worried. Oh, and the impeachment probably won't happen. No, well, people are worried, <laughs> but nobody's doing anything about it. I mean, that's, that's the strange thing. I mean, well, but what would, you, what would you have us do? I mean... Well, I would, I, would ha I would have, you know, the Republican members of Congress... Actually, grow a spine. Yeah, um, yeah. No, you, know, you had you, you got you got people like McConnell and Lindsey Graham who, during the election campaign, were one hundred percent anti-Trump, and all of a sudden they're his best mates. It's just uh, very strange. It's uh, it's real third world dystopian type stuff where the strong man leader comes along and has this impassioned. Uh, base of people and politicians just flip. It, it's yeah, it's been sickening. Uh, it, it's something else to watch, uh, and it's really hard to grasp. There, someday, hopefully, there will be a giant psychological study of how this party, and it has to it has to do too with how the Republican Party has presented itself over the last two three decades. We are the party of absolute values and of rectitude. And uh, we have these core values, and we never waver on those. Trump comes along, and everything flips. Every single thing flipped, except tax cuts. They, they did that. And I, I guess that's the only thing they're sticking around for. But they got those. So I, I don't know. But, but on the positive side... Let's, uh, yeah, let's they, find something positive. Well, he is resisting war. For the which, moment, Which yeah. is astonishing. Yeah. He actually resists it. I can't understand it. It's, it's, it seems like he's the kind of guy that would love to it's, it's blow possible, shit up. It's possible the only reason he's resisting it is because all the establishment is telling him to do it. And he's oh. just that kind of oh. <laughs> contrary That's and interesting. I like guy that. who goes, you know, it's like, it's like childish reaction. Now remember, Donnie, we wanted you to bomb that. <laughs> no. <laughs> no.
<laughs> I'm going to tweet about that. <laughs> wow, maybe that's the secret. Maybe just tell him to do, but it has to be the establishment, quote unquote, that's telling him that, or it doesn't work. Because it can't just be Democrats. The, the, the swamp, as he used to call it. Yes, he was, he was going to drain swamp. it, wasn't he? And it, it never happened. No, but, no, uh, it's long gone. Yeah, well, I think we've hit upon a path forward with, with, <laughs> with old Donnie. Well, I mean, this, this, this whole China trade war as well is, is, yeah. is just a inexplicable behavior as well. The, the, the Trump and the establishment are determined to push the idea that you know, China cannot be allowed to happen. Yeah, 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 yeah. We, we must remain, it must remain the American century. The idea of the Asian century is anathema to, to some of those policymakers. And, and the idea that China can take a position in the world, mm. in the global sphere of influence uh, is something that seems to petrify them. Newsflash, it's happened. Yeah. Yeah, right, done. Done. They're here, right? They're not going anywhere. Right. How can you win a trade war with a country that has a 1,000-year plan and time to, 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 to wait it out and starve half of their population if they have to, right? <laughs> they don't care. They want to they wanna be in charge a 1,000 years from now. And so, you have a and, and you have like a four year right. <laughs> horizon. No, for, quarterly, for, quarterly. For, it's for a quarterly week. profit yeah. reporting. Yeah, that, yeah, that, yeah, that yeah, drives, yeah, that, yeah. That drives the system. Yeah, come on. So this is where I get to be contrarian. I do think that there are look, China's going to rise, and that that's fine. We can share space, but there's serious issues of human rights that are on the docket, and I've talked about this before that. Whoever is the hegemon, their values will inevitably seep into the rest of the world, right? And so the U.S., and hey, I'm an American, so for all of its flaws, still promoted things like free press, freedom of speech, all this kind of thing. And so that is what got instituted in many parts of the world, including in Asia, Japan, South Korea, right? These things got instituted there because of U.S. hegemony and was. It's, it's a global empire, right? And it's U.S. hegemony. I accept all those things. But what are the values that seep in? If China is that global hegemon, what values are going to seep in there? One party, authoritarian rule by a new emperor. Uh, and that ain't good. Well, I think there's a couple. <laughs> so of, I think there's something really at stake. I think people don't care about those things. They really? Care, yeah, they care about leading happy lives, being well-fed. They don't care about freedom. I, I, I could cite a couple of examples of countries where I would consider there's much less freedom than I'm comfortable with where people are perfectly happy because of economic growth. So yeah. I think that's a model that works. Yeah. It, what? It'll blow up, right? Will it? I, I don't know. Eventually, I mean, if growth stops. Yeah, right. And you get uprising again. Because but, you have no voice. But maybe that's the cycle, right? Maybe the cycle is, okay, at some point we have democracy, we have free markets, we have growth. It doesn't really work at some point. Then a leader takes over, right? And we go through the cycle of... <laughs> well, these are, these, ah. these, are, these, are, these are questions that'll take us a, a whole series of shows to, to dig into because you right. brought up a, a multiple complex areas there. But just to pick up on one, I mean, you're talking about if China becomes the hegemon, which you know I think is, is not necessarily the most... Uh, likely outcome of any of this. I mean, hmm. the idea that there should be one global leader policing the world is an idea that 
grew out of the American right. Okay. Mm, yeah. Uh, and I don't see how, why that should be the only model. What happened to the old idea of a balance of powers, uh, a multipolar world where everyone, or at least a handful of the big voices, voice their opinion, and we get to talk about these things in a diplomatic sphere. The U.S. has, for a long time, I mean, you talk about promoting democracy and all these values, but actually, yeah. in practical global terms, the U.S. has used coercion and war as its means of promoting these things, not diplomacy. And you've got to, you've got to ask yourself the question, is it not, does it not make more sense for people to sit up and say, look, China has happened. It, there's no stopping this. India is happening. Mm -hmm. There's no stopping this. Russia is still there. The idea that somehow there should be one voice on the global podium telling everybody else what to do is, is bizarre. What happened to the idea that we have a multipolar world in which everyone gets a say? Or at least, you know, a lot of people get a say. Yeah, as long as we continue to advocate strongly for those civil liberties. That, that's all I'm talking mm. about. We, we, we can't just roll over on that stuff. So that's why, I like... Have you, though? I mean, come on. Have you... Have, I, I agree with your point, saying that you've done mostly through war. Yeah, right. and I agree with that. And, 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 and mostly... I mean, that's Looking mostly, at you, Iraq. That's mostly at just you. been a front for act for war, right? It's just been a good excuse to go to war. Yeah. To cover up the economic reasons to go to war. I don't think you're promoting anything, man. I think you're just going to war. Wait, wait, what you, those so, values, so those values. Re these stories. What, you've been reading Zen? What, what's <laughs> up with you, man? These stories about America <laughs> caring about democracy in other countries, it's just a story you tell yourself. Nobody believes that. No, seriously, I don't think anybody believes that. Certainly, well, the, the, I do. Because you certainly <laughs> seem to care more about democracy in certain places compared to other ones, right? Yes, yes. Just saying. Look, I mean, we have a tremendously, the United States has a tremendously flawed history uh, on these <laughs> issues, to hey, say European. the least. <laughs> right. You guys have been all good. <laughs> <laughs> No, but, but we should be more like you. Ultimately, ultimately, the question is not who is right or wrong on this no, stuff, no, no, or whether, no. whether one set of values trumps another. Yeah. To use a, the wrong word there. Yeah. But but simply, you know, the point I was making was just the U.S. Uh, strategy on this baffles me. Yeah. Because you know you're you're just pushing towards confrontation rather than accepting the fact that that China is there and it's happening and it's doing well. I mean, you talk about authoritarianism. Yeah. Authoritarianism has delivered better growth in China uh, than it has in, in America in the past 20 years, right? Yeah. It's then, then democracy has for America. If growth is the only measure. Yeah, but, but also, but, you know, poverty reduction, uh, the, mm. the kind of stuff that Nikolai is talking about. Yeah. The stuff that people in China care about right now is, you know, we need to get out of poverty, not, you know, we need to be able to stand up on a podium and, and shout abuse at our leaders. Right, you know? right, right. But what are the leaders afraid of, right? If, if they're delivering this incredibly powerful growth and they're lifting people out of poverty, what are they so afraid of? Why can't people have voice, right? If you're delivering the goods, you can take a little bit of criticism. You, you can take oh, people talking back to you. This is going to bring us back to Greta again. I'm feeling depressed already. To Greta? <laughs> you're just desperate to talk I'm about not, Greta. I don't want to talk about Greta anymore. <laughs> 
You're moving us on to climate change? Yeah, we'll, we'll get that done in this episode. No, you, no. Yeah. <laughs> I, I get the sense that you guys have done Greta before. We did Greta in the last one, <laughs> okay. I, yeah, if I'm remembering correctly. In, in, a, in a nice way or a... Because uh, there's a really interesting conversation both. around Greta right both. now and, and whether she's being manipulated by... You haven't had that conversation? Yeah, of course. We, yeah. Yeah, we had it. <laughs> I forget exactly what... Yeah, that was a week ago, man. I don't well, know I what the hell soon, I did yesterday. I think as soon as someone is, 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 is just clearly... I mean, she is self-proclaimed autistic, right? She is a Spurger, yeah. so she's... Those are very peculiar profiles. Yeah, and, very, all, but, yeah. And, and all of a sudden, she's traveling around the world, meeting global leaders, getting... So, getting you know, yeah. who's, who's driving this? Who's supporting this? Getting media coverage... Um, that you wouldn't believe. It's kind of, it's an yeah. interesting dynamic. Yeah. And well, and this is a very cynical pop psychological take, but as I watched her impassioned speech at the UN the other day, uh, her, her parents are actors, I guess. And it came off as acting. Oh, it was right. acting. It, it Poor acting. Like, <laughs> well, come on, she's a kid. Give her a break. But how did she get into the UN in the first place? That's, you know, I, I, I could make an impassioned yeah, speech. Yeah, I don't know. Um, Traction? No, no, no one's asking me to come and speak at the UN. How many followers does, uh, followers does she have? Uh, I don't know. Millions? I'm not on social media, man. I don't do that. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> we're going to leave Greta, Bur Greta to another time. I think we're going to wrap it up uh, for today. You know, I, I like to finish here on the podcast with uh, the happy music. Because we always seem to somehow end up in a, in a dark spot at the end. So 7.3 million it. followers on Instagram. Wow. Nice. Nice. Almost as, mu as much as us, Bill. Yeah, you're right All behind that. Yeah. Right. We'll be up like there two or three yeah. million something. Yes. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> Tamor Nabili, thank you so much for coming in. It's uh, a pleasure. I'm sorry to be a downer on all these things. No, no, no. 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 These are no, stressful no. times, was... which is why we try to laugh about it here. <laughs> uh, but uh, we'll have you back. Not depressing if at all. If you're interested. Good chatting with you guys. Yeah. All right. Thanks a lot. And uh, we'll see you next week. Talk soon. 